Good evening, Wisdom Eccentrics by Nat Chang Rumshay. Chapter 35, Part 1. A tree had taken root in the middle of the road and no one had seen fit to remove it. The taxi driver honked his horn at it continuously from 500 yards distant. The tree obdurately refused to move in spite of incessant honking, and the taxi driver swerved at the last moment to avoid it. Why did he do that? Shardrod asked. I don't know, I replied, but things like that happen in India. You'll get used to it. Chapter 35 Sky is not affected by clouds. I'd like to drift back some years to Cardiff in the early 80s when Jimmy Riggs in Rimshay was staying with me in Roth. It was a celebratory period and students came every day to eat with us and generally help out. There were teachings and empowerments. We made shawls and various other Lama necessities. Whilst thus engaged, Rimshay asked me if I could make him a larger version of an apron I had made for him on his previous visit. It turned out that he didn't really want to use it as a kitchen apron, but as a cunning device to enable him to surreptitiously take far more carry-on on an aircraft than would normally be allowed. I got the idea immediately and said that I could make the pockets on the apron gusseted so they'd hold more. He was pleased, but asked, when ready possible? I can have it completed by September, Rimshay. Not sooner coming, he replied. Maybe, Rimshay, but I can only promise it for September. Yeah, he said in an offhand way. You cannot be earlier making? No, Rinpoche, I'm not sure, and I can certainly try, but I can only promise it for September. Rinpoche shook his head with a look of dissatisfaction, so I said, My promise is my promise, and in that I will not fail unless I die before September. I will try to finish early, but I cannot promise it before then. Then Rinpoche grinned at me. September, fine, no problem. The whole thing had been a setup, but this time I'd been able to stand firm. As it was, I sent the apron, he called it the kangaroo, at the end of July, with a note, promised in September, delivered in July. Rinpoche telephoned as soon as it arrived. He thanked me for it and never sought to challenge the nature of my communication thereafter. I have many stories concerning Chimirigs in Rinpoche. Some of them are hilarious, but only mean something to me or to others who were there. Some stories are extremely personal. 
and some involve people in a way that would do them no credit in a book. I have no desire to censure others, however much they may deserve it. I deserve enough censure myself. Maybe when all concerned have passed away, such stories could be told. And maybe it should be left to others. One event, however, needs to be told because miracles are not ancient occurrences. Neither are they only to be found in Tsopema with its circumnavigating island. Remarkable events also occur right on your doorstep under the right circumstances. I can show you that when it rains and shines, it's just a state of mind. That's what John Lennon sang in the Beatles song, Rain. I was shown a tract recently by a Western Buddhist teacher. It told of how he'd witnessed Lama Yeshe Dorje Rinpoche fail to control the weather back in the early 1970s. Apparently the other Western people in his group were overwhelmed by the magic and mystery of Tibet and affirmed that it had been pelting down until he blew his kangling. The author says he went along with the group in their belief. He recounts that he even told the story of Lama Yeshe Dorje Rinpoche's wondrous weather-making to others over the years and affirmed having witnessed it. His was an eyewitness account. Now, of course, he writes of his regret at having been complicit in a fabrication and having disingenuously pervaded a group illusion to others. Disingenuously pervaded a group illusion to others. I admire his recent honesty, but I cannot help but wonder concerning the convenience of such admissions. When faith is in vogue, a, piece of, a person believes, but when doubt is in vogue, they admit with regret to having perpetuated an illusion. I'm sure there must be more charitable views than mine, but I must also be honest. I witnessed Yeshe Dorje Rinpoche's failure twice as often as that author had. That is to say, twice. I witnessed his success, however, at least a dozen times. The alternation of failure and success, of course, proves nothing. It could have been a matter of luck on those dozen occasions. The rain might have stopped whether a kangling was brandished or not. I wouldn't like to make a definite statement about those instances. Apart from the fact that any expert in any field experiences failure and success. Doctors don't always cure their patients. Financial advisors don't always predict changes in the stock market correctly.
These failures do not, however, cause us to doubt their skills, and we still avail ourselves of their services. Why then should someone cast doubt on Yeshe Dorje Rinpoche for one perceived lapse? It's a question worth asking of rational fellows who favour Buddhism without beliefs and who describe themselves as Buddhist atheists, as if most other Buddhists were theists. The Buddhism I've studied and practised doesn't require beliefs. It requires openness. The alternative to belief does not have to be active disbelief. In terms of Buddhism, you either know or you don't know. If you've practised enough, you will know what holds true in your own experience and will therefore have no need of belief or disbelief. Knowing what holds true, you can then view the realm of what you don't know as a good working hypothesis. That's been my approach all along and it's worked well for me. I've therefore not vacillated in my relationship to Dharma. Show me a Yeti and I'll believe in Yetis. If you can't show me a Yeti, I won't know either way, but I won't actively disbelieve in them. Active disbelief involves the same degree of faith as belief. It's merely the flip side of the same coin. I see no purpose in disbelieving anything, simply because it lies outside my experience. That doesn't mean I'm not sceptical or that I'm devoid of cynicism. I actively disbelieve in a whole range of absurdities. But in terms of Buddhism, I am content to be agnostic where I have no gnosis. This is called learning faith or intelligent faith. And we all apply this in our daily lives. If a good friend tells me, you'll enjoy this movie, then the chances are that I'll enjoy the movie. Going to see the movie on recommendation, however, is an act of faith, an act of intelligent faith. Jimmy Riggs and Rinpoche was visiting me in 1984. It was spring and the weather was wet, even for Wales. The weather report indicated solid rain for three days. It had been decided that we were to have a picnic on the beach at a place called Southern Down. Jimmy Riggs in Rinpoche would give a Dzogchen transmission, which required us to look at the sky and the sea. An excellent array of food was brought by students and as they arrived, out of the pouring rain, they each questioned the likelihood of the picnic. It was one of those Welsh days where the ubiquitous grey informed anyone who recognised it that the rain had set in. There'd be no remission. 
Students put the question to me. I put the question to Jimmy Riggs in Rimshay, who replied, Oh yeah, we picnic having, no problem. Rinpoche says we are going to go to Southern Down for our picnic, I announced. In spite of the rain, our students inquired with incredulity. Wouldn't it be better to... No, I replied, it wouldn't. And with that, the cars set out in a convoy that chugged slowly through the driving rain. The rain was thrashing down so violently that for parts of the journey, even with the windscreen wipers on full, it was hard to see the road ahead. And we had to drive at 20 miles per hour or less. What people were thinking in the other cars, I had no idea. But the atmosphere was ever so slightly crazed in the vehicle that held Rinpoche, Kandradechen, Rigsindorje and myself. Rinpoche was silent for the extent of the journey and we felt somehow unwilling to intrude into that space, especially with any comment on the weather. As we approached the cliff tops before descending the hill to the beach at Southern Down, the rain slackened. It continued to slacken every few hundred yards. We began the descent to the beach as the clouds parted. By the time we got to the car park, the sun was shining through a faint drizzle and a vivid double rainbow arched across the sky. I alighted first in order to open the car door for Chibi Riggs in Rinpoche, and by the time I opened his door, the rain had ceased. I'd seen Yeshe Dorje Rinpoche stop the rain in MacLeod Gange on various occasions. He'd blow his kungling at the sky and the clouds would begin to move away. He'd usually have performed rites around the event, but the main thing seemed to be blowing that kungling at the sky. The thing I'd never seen, however, was turning the rain on and off like a tap. It reminded me of a story that Kyabje Kunzang Dorje Rinpoche had told concerning Drukpa Kunli. <laughs>